This is Channel Attitude. Your voice, your right, your freedom. This is Vince Russo's The Brand. Hello, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Attitude Era Review Show. Today is January 23rd, 2023. It is Monday. I am Vince Russo. Thank you. Today we are going to be looking at Season 6, Episode 4 of the Attitude Era. January 26th. 1998, so I would have just turned 37 years old. That is when I wrote this show. My birthday is January 24th, and I was born in 1961. So I would have been 37 years old when I wrote this show. And it's funny, man, we're looking at season six. And we are about to look at the 30th anniversary of Raw tonight. So we are going back some 24 years to look at this episode of Monday Night Raw. This took, this took place at the University of Davis in California, and it was actually held in a field house. Now, remember, man, all of these buildings were booked in advance, bro, probably a year or two in advance. So while the WWE is really starting to heat up, these shows were already in the books. So this is a college campus in Davis, California. And I got to tell you, This was a pretty, pretty, pretty hot crowd. We open up the show with the nation out, and the match is Mark Henry against Ken Shamrock. But Shamrock's got a few surprises up his sleeve as Ahmed Johnson comes out to the ring with them and DOA. Uh, Shamrock jump starts the match and immediately. The Rocky Sucks chants are beginning in the arena. So you know these college students are watching the show. They know the Rocky chant, Rocky Sucks chant is becoming familiar. And they carry it on here as we have the world's strongest man against the world's most dangerous man. Early on, Mark Henry is dominating the match. Uh, Shamrock then hits Mark Henry with a belly-to-belly just when it looks like about game over. The Nation hits the ring. Ahmed hits the ring. Um, DOA hits the ring. We start off with a massive brawl, and the place is going nuts. Remember, these are college students. These are the hippest, youngest People in the demo. And we start off with a very, very, very hot brawl. People are going absolutely nuts. 
After that, uh, JR is on color with Michael Cole and Kevin Kelly. And uh, he's plugging tonight's show. We are going to hear from Don King following what happened last week with Mike Tyson. We are going to hear from Stone Cold Steve Austin. Austin is here in the building. Shawn Michaels has a huge announcement pertaining to Mike Tyson. And we are going to see exclusive footage of what happened when we went off the air at the Royal Rumble. Remember, the casket was set on fire. And nobody has seen or heard from The Undertaker since. We are going to look at exclusive footage to see what happens. So again, man, really now promoting the Tyson uh, incident, playing a hot off of that. From there, bro, we go to the Taker Kane story. We go to um, footage never before seen when the Royal Rumble went off the air. We see Tony Greer and a few others putting out the casket, prying open the lid with crowbars, and we see Taker is not there. Obviously, this was a uh, Richie Curtis trick where there was an escape route for The Undertaker for us to get him out of there uh, and out of harm's way. But a Taker is gone. We don't know where he is. We don't know if we'll ever see him again. From there, we go to the NWA music and entrance against LOD. Um, we, we start with a pre-taped promo Bro, I pop every time I hear Double J and his fake heel laughs. Perhaps Double J had one of the the best, fakest put-on heel laughs. It pops me every single time. But the NWA comes out, Rock and Roll Express, um, Blackjack, um, uh, uh, Wyndham, and uh, Jim Cornette and Double J. This 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 group had some heat, but I got to tell you, man, the crowd was so hot. Everybody uh, had heat, and the baby faces were being cheered. Cornette goes to color wearing no glasses. I told you guys this is the tip-off. If he's not wearing glasses, he's going to be involved some way, somehow in the match. He talks about the NWA being real wrestlers, and he starts really getting into the history of the NWA. You could tell, man, Cornette is really, really passionate about this. Uh, The NWA does mean a lot to him. And and I'll I'll be honest, guys, I'm not going to lie to you. I could have cared less about the NWA. I, I, I wasn't a wrestling mark growing up. I didn't follow the NWA Growing up, maybe later on, I became a little familiar with it with Gordon Soley. But obviously, um, this was, you know, very, very important in the life of uh, Jim Cornette. But I got I I always say this about Cornette, bro. The guy certainly uh, did have the gift of gab, man. I don't know if there was anybody better. I don't think Paulie's better than uh, Cornette. Paulie is is very slow and very repetitive and very over the top. He overacts, in my opinion, 
whereas Cornette always comes across genuine off the top of his head. Uh, and he was he was really sharp, Roni. He's still as sharp today. He talks about the WWF being an outlaw organization uh, with Pop Me. Kevin Kelly tells Cornette to have a cream soda. Bro, Kevin Kelly was, was an announcer, but he was also working with me at the magazine. I'm telling you, I think I influenced this cream soda line. Because I stole the line from Midnight Run, where Dennis Farina says, sit down, relax, have a cream soda. To this day, I use that uh I use that line. Um the fans are really into this, bro. This this old school NWA uh really has a lot of heat. Um, and as predicted, Cornette gets involved by throwing Wyndham the racket. Wyndham nails Ahmed in the back with the racket. The referee is distracted. NWA is over. But, bro, I got to tell you, man, they did things in such a way out there where the ref did not look stupid. In other words, the action was not literally six inches Behind the referee's back. NWA cheated to win by using the racket, but there was enough distance between that and what the referee was doing where uh, it was plausible that the ref did not hear or see what happened. That's the difference, man. Big difference in the structure of these matches compared to today, especially, bro, when it comes to making referees look stupid, which you know is a very, very pet peeve of mine. From there, bro, we go to a pre-tape with a DX um, right before uh, we're going to hear from them. And, you know, very creative where uh, Hunter pulls down his pants and we keep covering his uh, who's he wants it and his ass with the championship belts. Uh, done very, very, very creatively. That is the hook going into the commercial. We come back, bro. We got to recap the Mike Tyson story. We hear from DX. China is taping up Triple H. He's in a lot of pain. Uh, Triple H cuts the promo on on Owen. Owen uses a uh, Mr. Hanky reference, and we are going to flush you down in the cesspool to, to the south. Um, bro, keep in mind, this is right after Christmas. So we probably saw Mr. Hankey right before Christmas. There are a lot of South Park references. There's a lot of South Park signs in the crowd. This was a real phenomenon at the time. And to think, man, to think that is still going on today. I can't imagine, bro. Me still working for the WWE. Matt Stone and Trey Parker are still writing South Park. That is freaking incredible to me. 25 years later. After that, Sean starts cutting a promo on Austin. You know, he is willing to sacrifice his WrestleMania match so he can see Austin and Tyson. This is what the world wants to see. 
But since it is the 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 main event of the entire year, since it is WrestleMania, he needs to be involved. He's trying to think of a way. He reveals a referee shirt and comes up with the idea of being the special guest referee, Austin versus Tyson at WrestleMania. Very interesting, man. We are really taking down the fans and the viewer uh, towards a, uh, a an, an up and down road to what is going to happen with Mike Tyson at WrestleMania. How is he going to participate in this? Is Steve Austin going to be involved? This is a roller coaster where we might have taken it a little bit too far of really convincing people that they were going to see Austin and Tyson at WrestleMania. And I'm going to get to that as we get later on into this show. Next, we have the artist formerly known as Goldust against Vader. Man, bro, I got to tell you, you know, these are the little things I think we take for granted and we never really look at. The physique of Luna. I mean, this woman could have been a professional bodybuilder. Luna was put together like a a brick shithouse. And and you really see it uh, in this segment here, the pride she took in her body and the pride she took in working out and being an athlete. A lot of that, bro, is really, really taken for granted. I have a note here that the college campus seems to be into everything, bro, that is on this show. Kevin Kelly talks about a magazine article about Goldust written by Vince Russo. So, again, this tells me this was probably the time Kevin was working at the magazine as well and really, really trying to put over the WWE magazine. I never even knew this existed. I never even knew that Vince Russo was mentioned and put over uh, on the show. We uh, we have the Vader bomb. Uh, the sh- uh, Vader's about to get the one, two, three. Then we have our blackout. And here comes Kane. I was a little surprised by this because up until this point, nobody has really touched Kane. But in this instance, uh, Vader holds his ground. Uh, Kane hits the ring. Vader pummels him with rights and lefts. Then he hits Kane with the pile driver. However, Kane sits up and Kane goes on to Tombstone Vader, which I got to tell you, bro, was very, very impressive, man. The strength of Glenn Jacobs to Tombstone Vader to get a 400, 300-something man up like that was very, very impressive. But uh, this was the first time that anybody had really taken it to the character uh, Kane. So that was very, very, very uh, interesting. Bro, we had a real interesting clip here where this was shot earlier in the day I kind of remember this. And we had Mick Foley and Terry Funk talking about what Cactus Jack 
and Chainsaw Charlie were going to do in their match tonight. And they were talking like, you know, Funk was talking like Chainsaw was another character. Mick was talking like uh, Cactus was another character. This was very, very interesting. I'm starting to believe now, was this starting to... Was this about Vince starting to feel bad about the whole idea behind Chainsaw Charlie, which I have explained on this show? Was he now starting to feel bad about it um, because realizing that the rib was really on Terry Funk and not on Jim Cornette? So now is he trying to make it up to Terry Funk? This was very interesting. This was very different, and I thought this was done very, very, very well. Uh, from there, we go to the New Age Outlaws dressed in catches gear against Cactus and Chainsaw. Um, and uh, Jerry Lawler has a good line here about uh, about Chainsaw Charlie, because remember, um, Chainsaw was wearing the stocking over his head, bro. I don't know how you work with that. I don't know how Terry Funk was able to breathe, bro. But anyway, Lola makes a comment. Lola's back now for the second hour of Raw. Lola makes a comment. Is that his face or did his butt grow a nose? I thought that was done very well. What really stands out to me in this match, bro, was the punches of these uh, guys. Punches. They look like real punches, bro. There were a couple of kicks that Road Dog delivered to uh, Chainsaw Charlie. There was no leg slapping, bro. And guess what? It looks like they were legitimate kicks that landed and hurt. I did not need anybody slapping their thighs, but man, the Punches really stand out in all these matches. There was a real art to punching. Uh, During the course of the match, Mick pulls out Road Dog's cup and low blows him. Uh, Now the match goes out of control. The the, uh, Cactus and Chainsaw Charlie get disqualified. The babies get their heat back after the match as... Terry Funk, bro, who's 50-something at the time, a moonsault road dog who is covered by a pile of chairs. Bro, has there been another Terry Funk? Like, like let, let's be honest. The things this man was doing at this age, has there been another Terry Funk? Has there been anybody close to Terry Funk? From there, we go to a Taka Michinoko package. He is the light heavyweight champion. And we go to a light heavyweight championship match. This is for the number one contender. Uh, Honky Tonk Man is the ring announcer. This is Prime Christopher against Pantera. Bro, I don't even remember who Pantera was. I was thinking for the longest time, bro. It was Taka in a full body suit and a mask, but apparently it wasn't because it never paid off. 
Bro, this match just went on way too long. I'm going to say this a million times, man. Brian Christopher grew up and learned from the best in Jerry Lawler, and Christopher was a great, great performer. He got it, bro. He understood wrestling. This match went on way, way, way too long for my taste. Pantera went over, and then after the match, uh, Lola goes in the ring to save uh, to shake Pantera's hand, and then he winds up getting heat on Pantera. We go to the back, the uh, new, uh, the uh, Cactus Jack and uh, Terry Funk are being interviewed. There is a huge cage behind them as a backdrop. Hunter, Sean, and China come in and verbally interrupt. They get the attention of Cactus and Terry Funk. And from behind, that cage comes down on Cactus and Chainsaw Charlie. It's the New new Age Outlaws. There is a full-scale attack while this steel cage is uh, over um, Cactus and Chainsaw Charlie, and they can't defend themselves. So the heels wind up uh, getting their heat back. After this, bro, we have another throwaway match, which is really the headbangers against the Quebecers. Um, but all I keep hearing during this match is still to come, still to come, still to come. The problem is, bro, we have two hours to fill, and there still isn't enough super over talent on the roster to fill the two hours. So there are a few segments, there are a few matches where I am concerned that people are going to change the channel. Um, the Brian Christopher, that's why we use the Honky Tonk Man in this match. Still to come, still to come, hyping Tyson, hyping Austin to keep the people there. And in this match, the headbangers uh, went over. Um, At this point, bro, they are promoting that WrestleMania is nine weeks away. So we're promoting 10 weeks out, bro. 10 weeks out, we really started heavily promoting WrestleMania on Raw. We're getting close to that time, bro. As a matter of fact, I think we're there now uh, because it is January 23rd today. I would have to assume WrestleMania is the end of March or the beginning of April. I don't know the date. But you could see, bro, last week we started WrestleMania with Tyson. So this is a 10-week build to WrestleMania. It helps, bro, that we know the card and we know where we're going and we especially know what the main event is going to be. From there, bro, we go to the European Championship match between Owen Hart and Triple H. However, it is not Triple H. It is the artist formerly known as Goldust playing the part of Triple H. And Luna is playing the part of China. Uh, 
Triple H had on this huge fake nose. I, I wonder if Triple H knew about that or if that was just Dustin uh, ripping him. We ha- I, I'm, I'm sorry, um, not, not ripping him. Um, ribbing him. I'm sorry, ribbing him. We have our match. Owen goes over with the sharpshooter. DX comes up on the Titan Tron laughing at Owen. We got over on you. You're an idiot. You're an imbecile. Today, that's where the scene would end, but that's not where it ends on this show. On this show, out comes Sergeant Slaughter, and he makes the announcement that not only is he awarding the match to Owen Hart, but he was so convinced that the artist formerly known as Goldust was Triple H, that he is going to award Owen the European Championship. Now, I've never seen anything really done like this before. I've never seen anything done like this since. And I got to read between the lines. And I got to wonder, was this Triple H not wanting to job for Owen I don't think that's where Triple H's mindset would have been at the time. Sean's perhaps. And remember, we are coming off the situation with Bret Hart. So maybe, maybe Vince doesn't want to put Owen over Triple H. Uh, Maybe Sean didn't like the idea. Um, But nonetheless... We award Owen Hart the European title without ever pinning Triple H. I guarantee you, there was definitely a reason for that. I wish I could tell you clear cut exactly what it was, but I but I can't. But there was definitely something behind that. Or, I mean, it could have simply been that Triple H is really hurt. Uh, and we just want to get that belt off of him so somebody else can defend it. There, there are a series of reasons, but I can assure you this was done for a reason. We then go to a Mike Tyson package, and we then go to Don King. And Don King makes the statement here that the Nevada State Commission have ruled that Mike Tyson can't fight. So Vince McMahon and Don King need to figure out a way to bring these forces together. Bro, I honestly think it was going too far. And I was honestly, I I honestly think too many people were starting to believe that there was going to be a Steve Austin, Mike Tyson, a match. Bro, Obviously, the Nevada State Commission has nothing to do with this because this is sports entertainment. So the Nevada State Commission can't stop um, Steve Austin and Mike Tyson from having a fake wrestling match in Boston. It was nothing about that. Tyson was never going to wrestle in the first place, probably because of a fear of him getting hurt or an injury, but they had pushed this so far and everybody wanted this so badly. 
bro, since last week, everyone was talking about this. So they had to take a step backwards because they knew this was not going to happen. And this is exactly how they did it. Uh, Don King saying that Vince and himself were going to figure out a way to bring the forces together. Bro, what a promo guy Don King was, man. This, this was a promo guy. Talk about the gift of gab. But yeah, bro, they went too far in teasing that match that they knew wasn't going to happen. So now they got to scale back a little bit and let people know there is not going to be a Mike Tyson and a Steve Austin. From there, we go to a live in-ring with Steve Austin. And, uh, you know, Steve is stating his case. Somehow, somewhere, some way, I want Mike Tyson in the ring. No, Saying, I know I could kick Tyson's ass. I don't care if it's on my ranch. I don't care if it's in my backyard. I don't care if it's in the backyard of any of these people. So Austin is still painting the picture of wanting to kick Tyson's ass, but kind of backing off now of the idea of there being a match between the two. Man, it's going to be real interesting to me to see how we keep this going for nine weeks, bro. Nine weeks of television to keep this going and to keep this red hot. That is going to be a challenge. That is it, everybody. I went over the entire episode of Raw. And that's what I will start doing going forward. It takes me a little bit more time. But for you, what you want, you will get. Take care, everybody. Have a great day.